0: Jeremiah 9:23 through 24 Thus says the Lord Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom Let not the mighty man boast in his might Let not the rich man boast in his riches But let him who boasts boast in this That he understands and knows me That I am the Lord who practices steadfast love justice and righteousness in the earth For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. Lord God, we submit ourselves to the authority of your holy word in our lives. Asking that your spirit would open our eyes to see and soften our hearts to hear. Show us Jesus. Teach us the gospel. Make us your people, Lord for the sake of communicating your goodness and your glory. In the name of your son, we pray. Amen. Now, I know that what I'm about to say sounds way more self-important than reality, but I suspect that many of you can relate to this feeling when you think about this tension in your own life. So for me, as a pastor and husband and parent and citizen and homeowner and car owner and pet owner and dishwasher that doesn't really work unless you run it twice, owner, uh, for me, when I add up all of the responsibilities of life, there's a, a constant weight and a frustration, a feeling like I'm so constantly needed everywhere that I cannot meaningfully be in one place at one time. Like it's not merely just a space and time problem that I can only literally be in one place at a time, which is true, but it's, it's the weight and the frustration of feeling like I'm so constantly needed everywhere that I cannot hardly meaningfully be present in just one place at one time. So everywhere I go, I, I feel like I'm half there, half prepared, not really present. Are we preaching yet, moms, dads, owners of businesses and pets and appliances? Don't you wish you had the power to be everywhere you needed all at the same time and in exactly the way that you were needed? How awesome would that be, right? Like, I don't really lay awake at night wondering this, but I, but I do sort of find myself praying many times a day, Dear Jesus, please just somehow take care of all those 500 things and people I will never, ever remotely get to. Wouldn't it be great to have the power to be everywhere you were needed all at the same time and in exactly the same way that you were needed? Well, you don't. (laughs) You don't have that power. I'm sorry. And neither do I. And no matter what the future of amazing technology may hold for us, your ability to be in more than one place at one time and in the way that is needed is not going to measurably improve with time. But that's okay because you don't need to be. Only the God of the Bible has this kind of power, this amazing quality of his infinite and immeasurable character and nature such that, think about this, he can be everywhere he needs to be all at the same time and in exactly the way needed. This idea is what we call God's omnipresence, his everywhere-ness. The prefix omni just means all. So all-present, omnipresent. Omnipresence is God's infinitude or his limitlessness with respect to space. Yes, I know, lots of big words in this series, but here's another one. Omnipresence is the last incommunicable attribute of God that we'll be covering in this series, which means that God's omnipresence is one of those incommunicable attributes of God that we do not share in as much as the communicable attributes of God in which we share more, that we share more of. We'll be begin looking at those communicable attributes next week. So, today we're saying three main things about God's omnipresence. And the first is this. God is present in his being at every point in space. God is present in his being at every point in space. The Bible speaks of God being present everywhere. In Jeremiah 23, in a context where the prophets, they think that God cannot hear their words nor see their thoughts, God rebukes them by saying in verses 23 and 4, Am I a God at hand, meaning a God you can touch, declares the Lord, and not a God far away? Can a man hide himself in secret places so that I cannot see him, declares the Lord? The answer is no, by the way. Do I not fill heaven and earth? He says it a third time, declares the Lord. The proper deferential answer here to that third question uh, there is yes. Lord, you indeed fill heaven and earth. And God is speaking here ironically, almost sarcastically, even saying, declares the Lord three times as a way to make clear his lordship over all creation. He's saying, do you really think, to these prophets who think otherwise, do you really think I cannot hear your words or see your thoughts? I'm everywhere. I fill heaven and earth which is a Hebrew phrase that means everywhere. The heavens and the earth, the entire universe, everything that you can and cannot see, that I can, God's speaking, that I can see. In Psalm 139, David eloquently expresses God's omnipresence. Look at verses 7 through 10 here. David says, Where shall I go, speaking to God, from your spirit? Spirit. Spirit here shows some of what we mean by saying that he's present everywhere in his being. God being spirit, John 4.24, Jesus himself says that God is spirit. God being spirit means that God's essence, his very being, can be at one and the same time present everywhere. So David says... Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. David is saying, there is nowhere in the entire universe, on land or sea, in heaven or hell, where one can flee from God's presence. In fact, earlier in the same passage, David roots God's, his intimate and deep knowledge of him, in God's, not just omniscience, his all-knowingness, but in his omnipresence. In fact, God is so present in all things that Scripture says... That it is in him, in God, as Acts 17, 28 says, it is in God that we live and move, and we have our being. It's in his being that we have our being. Colossians 1:17 says, In him, in Christ, all things hold together. So think about this. In God's being, we have our being, which is to say that. His very existence materially holds together the existence of all matter, of all creation, of all space. According to the scriptures, you don't breathe unless God exists from one moment to the next, from one minuscule particle of matter to the next. All of it exists and all of it holds together because God is everywhere present. So, number one, God's present in his being at every point in space. He's everywhere present. But, number two, God is spatially, spatially meaning in reference to space, God is spatially immeasurable, without without size nor dimension. Now, this idea that God cannot be limited by space is found in the Bible's teaching that he created space. He created space, time, matter. It all exists because he created it. And he exists before and outside of all creation, including space, which is why we say that he is spatially immeasurable. This is implied from the very first verse of the Bible. Genesis 1.1, the creation of all the material world. In the beginning, God created the heavens And the earth, there's that Hebrew phrase again that means everything in the universe seen and unseen, at least by us. So before God created the universe, there was no matter, no material, and therefore no space. Either yet, God still existed. From the very first verse of scripture, it assumes the existence of God. In Deuteronomy 10, 14 Moses reminded the Israelites of God's lordship over space when he says, Behold, to the Lord your God belong heaven and the heaven of heavens, the highest of heavens as they thought of it, the earth with all that is in it. It belongs to him. He is Lord over all that is, space, time, and matter. Isaiah 66, 1 and 2 say it like this, Thus says the Lord, so it's it's God speaking here, Heaven's my throne and the earth my footstool. Like he's so big, he sits in heaven and his feet reach down to the earth. Heaven's my throne, the earth is my footstool. What is the house that you would build for me? And what is the place of my rest? All these things my hand has made, and so, meaning by my hand, and so all these things came to be in the manner of me creating them. By my hand, declares the Lord. So if God created space and he therefore exists outside of it, even though he's present everywhere, as we've already said in the first point, he cannot be contained by or in space. In 1 Kings 8, 27, listen to what Solomon says in his prayer to the Lord. He says, But will, but will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, heaven And the highest heaven cannot contain you, how much less this house which I have built. Remember Solomon speaking, this was the richest man of all time, as many have estimated, saying that even the grandest temple that man could conceive to build could not possibly contain God, nor be worthy of his presence. So Solomon says... Even the highest heaven cannot contain God, meaning that the largest space you could possibly conceive of would be immeasurably small because God's without size. He's without dimension. He relates to space in a way that is qualitatively and quantitatively different than we do and than we could possibly imagine, which means God's pretty big way bigger than we understand, way more powerful than we could possibly imagine. He's everywhere. Now, one quick clarification. Christians are not what we call pantheists. P-A-N-T-H-E-I-S-T-S. Pantheists means all, all theists. Pantheists believe that everything, all, is God or that God is everything. Pantheist, theist, pan. Everything is God or that God is everything. That's what pantheists believe. The biblical perspective, however, is that God is present everywhere but distinct from his creation. So God is somewhat like a sponge. Somewhat like, not entirely, but somewhat like a sponge that's filled with water. The water is everywhere in the sponge, but the water is still distinct from the sponge. Now, the analogy breaks down in a couple key ways, but it's a helpful way to to think about how God is present everywhere and yet distinct from creation. He is creator, but he is not the creation. Okay, so I know this is heady stuff, But to think about who God is in his attributes, his character, and his nature is going to be uh, heady stuff. So stick with me. We're going somewhere real cool with this. So, so far we've said, number one, God is present in his being at every point in space. He's everywhere. But two, he is spatially immeasurable. There's no size nor dimension to him. And we're also saying today that God can act differently in different places. in three ways to punish, sustain, or bless. Okay, running out of time here, so briefly, three ways that God can act differently in different places. First, God can be present to, to punish. Read along in this, uh, frankly, fairly terrifying passage in Amos 9. The first four verses of Amos 9 here speak of the presence of God in judgment. One of a number of places that we could talk about, but here's one uh, that's particularly uh, clear. (laughs) It says this, I saw the Lord standing beside the altar, and he said, Strike the capitals until the thresholds shake and shatter them on the heads of all the people. And those who are left of them, I will kill with the sword. Not one of them shall flee away. Not one of them shall escape. If they dig into Sheol, and that's their word for the underworld, we tracking? If they dig into Sheol, from there shall my hand take them. If they climb up to heaven, from there I will bring them down. If they hide themselves on top of Carmel, from there I will search them out and take them. And if they hide from my sight at the bottom of the sea, there I will command the serpent and it shall bite them. And if they go into captivity before their enemies, there I will command the sword and it shall kill them. And I will fix my eyes upon them for evil and not for good. Scripture speaks about how the presence of God can be present in different ways different times and different places. And here it speaks of how God can be present to punish. Someday, friends, God will punish evil in its ultimate form, in ways that only a just God can do who has his perfect character and nature. Now, this idea of being present to punish is kind of a hard thing to think about. Here's what I mean. If someone asks Well, then, if God can be present everywhere, and he's present to punish, how can God be present in hell, for example? Which is often described as the opposite of God's presence, or the absence of God. And while our answer here may not be emotionally satisfying, you can simply respond by pointing out that God can be present in different ways, in different places, and one of those ways is is to punish. Not a fun thought, but a biblical one. You see, God, who is holy and perfect in character and nature, deserves no sin in his presence. It is is the greatest injustice for sin to be a part of him. And we can't be in relationship with him. And so justice is God punishing evil. Now, let's move on from that idea to the second idea about God's presence. He can be present to punish. He can be present to sustain. This is the second way that God acts differently in different places that we're going to look at today. So you can look back, um, if you would, uh, from earlier, Acts 17, verse 28, and Colossians 1:17. You can look back at those again. We pointed to those earlier because they talk about how in God all things hold together, they're sustained by him, But here's at least one additional cool little phrase for this that we find in Hebrews 1.3, this idea that God is present to sustain. It says that Christ is continually upholding. He upholds the universe, look at this, by the word of his power. It takes just a word from Jesus and it sustains the universe. Christ himself, his presence, keeps the universe existing and functioning in the ways it's intended to function by the word of his power. Now, the third way that God acts differently in different places is to bless. Now, here's a really cool thought. Most of the time that the Bible mentions God's presence, it's to point out this third way that he acts, that he is acting to bless in Psalm 16, verse 11, David says, "In your presence there is fullness of joy; at your right hand are pleasures forevermore." God's presence to bless is how we should understand. For example, the Ark of the Covenant in the Old Testament, 1 Samuel 4:4, 4, 4 speaks of the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of Hosts, who is enthroned. It says on the cherubim, the cherubim, uh, the cherubim both are. Okay, pronunciations. The cherubim are are two heavenly beings that were on top of the Ark of the Covenant. So it says that God's enthroned on the cherubim, meaning he is seated above the two golden heavenly beings. But that didn't mean that God was elsewhere. That meant that God was seated there among them. You, You see, the people of God were told to take this Ark everywhere with them as a reminder that God had made his presence known to them in a special way to bless and to, to protect them. So where they took the ark, God was with them to bless and protect them. This is just one big example of many biblical patterns of speech that happen throughout the entire Bible that speak of God's presence to bless. 2 Corinthians three seventeen, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Romans 8, 9, and 10, you are in the spirit if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you, his presence. If Christ is in you, your spirits are alive. John 14, 23, Jesus speaking. This is a great verse. If man loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him. And speaking of presence, we, Jesus speaking of him and the father, we will come to him and make our home with him. The opposite idea is sometimes also found, namely when the Bible talks about God being far away. That means he's not present to bless. Isaiah 59 verse 2 says, your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. Proverbs 15 29 says, the Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. So friends, in summary, God is present in his being at every point in space, but he is spatially immeasurable without size nor dimension. And At the same time, God can act differently in different places to punish, sustain, or bless. So while the thought that God is everywhere might be for you initially discouraging and might cause you to fear, also know that it means that he is here, present, at the ready, in this moment, fully himself, to be God to you in a way no one and nothing else can ever be because he's everywhere he needs to be all at the same time and exactly the way he is needed. Friends, you can call upon him now. You can talk to him now. You can worship him now because God is infinitely beyond our greatest thoughts and he is perfectly capable to be an all-sufficient savior that we badly need. He's here at the ready for you today and he's worthy of your worship. So here's today's takeaway question that I want us to think about for just a minute. what's so wonderful about following the only God worthy of your worship, who is Lord of space, in a way that means he is everywhere he needs to be all at the same time, and in exactly the way he is needed, means you don't have to be. Because you're not God. And you cannot be anyone's Messiah, especially your own. Father in heaven, we give you praise. We acknowledge that you're God because you are creator and we are creature. You are Lord. We are your servants. We understand that as best we're able, you are beyond our greatest thoughts of you.